Sansei. There you go. Now you know just as much Cree as I do. <laughs> it is really awesome to be with you again this morning. Um, as a pastor, we were talking earlier before, it's nice to preach to people. We've done the preaching to the screen thing and sending in videos. It's just not the same. So this is really a, a lovely thing to be able to preach with you, be with you in person. And so this morning, we're going to take you on a bit of a journey. As a congregation, you've been understanding community, working through what is community, our role as community, how do we interact with the people around us, obviously, um, but community. So before we even get going this morning, I'm going to draw your attention to a different community, an indigenous community, and uh, we're going to do so in song. It's lovely that you have the Treaty 6 flag hanging, um, recognizing that yeah, we are on somebody's land. Um, and my indigenous people's land, the Cree people, for this particular area. Uh, so thank you for doing that. Um, it's nice to walk into a sanctuary and feel that warmth. Um, the church hasn't always been receptive to those kind of things, and so I'm glad that Bethel again is on this journey of seeking God's guidance when it comes to indigenous relationships and making those right relations. Um, the drum you see before me, when I was ordained in 2003, I was not allowed to play this in the sanctuary. 2003. Since then, I've taken this drum around Classes Alberta North, uh, and it's been well received, and uh, in indeed, it does honor a Jesus in many ways. So just one quick twist before we get going, just to reassure your minds. Anything leak out, squirt out? Okay, that was the fear, that we were calling different spirits, or that the drum had a spirit of its own that was somehow contrary to the purpose of it. This drum, the powwow drum, is considered the heartbeat of the creator for our indigenous people. The heartbeat, same one that we all have. One creator created us all. So this morning we're going to just teach you a quick couple verses of a song called uh, The River of Life. It's a, a song by Jonathan Miracle, who is a friend of mine who is a Mohawk from out east, a uh, singer-songwriter, a Christian uh, man who uh, heads up a band called Broken Walls. Um, they do ministry throughout uh, North America. In fact, he's been around the world um, bringing Christian indigenous music. So this song... Is a river of life. We've already been singing a little bit about that, and we're also on this journey. Isn't that exciting of doing communion this morning? And in my sermon, you're going to hear that sometimes practice makes perfect. And so that's, you know, what we're focusing on this morning. So I'm just going to go through this song. What is going to happen is you're going to hear me sing some vocables, and then I'm going to get to some English words. I'm going to sing one line of those English words, and then I would like you to sing that line. So repetitive, antiphonally, whatever the fancy word is for that. I'll sing a line, you sing a line. I won't make you sing the vocables. Uh, I have enough trouble on my own singing that. Um, but just as a way of starting to change our minds as we go into God's word, to just think that maybe sometimes things are done differently, but that's okay. That can be God honoring just as well. So remember your part, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
after I sing the first line, you're going to just fill in. And then after the service, after the blessing, just because we practiced it once here, we're going to have an opportunity to do that again. So please feel free to stay after the blessing, and uh, we'll sing that song through a couple more times. All right. Way, oh, way, oh, way, oh, hey, hi, oh. Way, oh, way, oh, way, oh, hey, hi, oh. Way, oh, way, oh, way, oh, way, hi, oh. There's a river of life that's flowing So I bring greetings from our community at the Edmonton Native Healing Center to you this morning. Our ministry throughout this whole COVID pandemic has only had to shut down for one week. So that's been an awesome gift that we were able to keep our doors open, allow people to walk in and enjoy the space, although it's limited capacity. Uh, we're not serving the same amount of meals that we normally did. But the one big bonus, and this may sound funny to you, but is we got a clean toilet. <laughs> my janitor has the most important role at my ministry right now to make sure that those toilets are clean, the bathrooms are clean, so that people who are out on the street, because when COVID hit, restaurants closed, stores closed, and public washrooms became hard to find. So thank you for supporting the Edmonton Native Healing Center today so that we can provide that simple affirmation of our humanity. I have one staff member who unfortunately this year lost her dad because of COVID. 
And it's a big loss because it was a loss that affected myself as well in that he is my spiritual leader. He's my Cree elder who I learned from. And so I got to go up to Saddle Lake and do his funeral, which was both a blessing and also a really sad moment because I lost all of that ancient teaching I was able to tap into at the time. So we're thankful that we're able to serve you through our ministry, the Edmonton Native Healing Center. And it really is not Harold's ministry. It is yours, the people. It's just, Harold gets to be the director. Harold gets to be maybe the face of that ministry, but I really do appreciate all the prayers, the monetary gifts that come our way, because it does help sustain our ministry in a good way. So this morning, and before we just get going, let's just ask the Spirit to come and join us. Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer, we come again before you, asking for your Spirit to fall afresh on the sanctuary, to fall afresh on us, whether we're in our own homes or wherever we might be worshiping from this morning. Sometimes we've heard the stories, we've heard the Bible stories many times over and over and it just falls on deaf ears, but open our ears and our hearts this morning to hear your word afresh again, that it could speak to us as we seek as a community of believers, how do we use that gift to help a hurting world? Spirit of God, please fall on this place, amen. So as you heard Helen read from Colossians, and there's a lot going on in that Colossians thing. And then Harold loses his page in Colossians already. Good start. But under the heading of Colossians 3 starts off with living as those made alive in Christ. Living as those made alive in Christ. So what does that mean from us? We're, right, we're on this journey from this cross. We've celebrated Easter. We're in the wake of the resurrection. So does that, the actions of Jesus, his death, his resurrection, have any effect on what we do here today? Most of you would say yes, it does. And even before we get to that point of yes, it does, what was Jesus doing in an upper room with his apostles? This is the interactive. Somebody yell out. <laughs> Having a meal. And what did he say when he lifted the elements, right? And you're going to hear it later probably from Pastor Chris. This do in remembrance of me. So it wasn't to be a one-off, but something that was to be repeated. And so today, throughout my sermon, I think, and I hope you hear that, that some things just take practice. Because in these earthly bodies, we make mistakes. And so today, that's the journey we're on. Taking off the old self. We've embarked, new church season, it's all exciting, everything's good. And how does that work out for us as community and being in community? 
just want to draw your attention to the verses 9 and 10 of our passage today. It says, Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and in the image of its creator. So that taking off, putting on, how does that work for us as we go into community? Right? There's no I in the word team, right? We all agree? And we get told that all the time. There's no I in team, right? Guess what? In the word community, there's an I. And even though it comes at the end of the word, you know, we don't really have a commune. We need that I. So for this church, for Bethel to move forward as a community of believers, they still need an I. They still need the individual sitting in this pew or watching us from home. And that's the I part that we're going to look at this morning. How do I grow this I, individual? What do I need to do to bring to this larger community so that we can be healthier and stronger in community? Because Jesus also modeled that he gathered people around himself, right? It wasn't just Jesus against the world. Jesus and his apostles, he gathered people around himself. And so this story, as we begin to glimpse and see that sometimes when we think about community, it's not exactly what we thought about as community. And sometimes there's harsh realities in community that maybe we don't get to see because our world just doesn't creep into those kind of areas. And so as a chaplain and director of the Edmonton Native Healing Center, and as we heard, it's our 30th year of being in the city of Edmonton. 30 years of being able to walk with the marginalized here in the city has been an awesome thing. And so I've heard a lot of things. I've seen a lot of things. Cried a lot of tears with people. Laughed a lot too. And those are all good things on this journey. But then this story. Earlier this year, I had a gentleman walk in my door. A gentleman who I've walked with for many years already. And this was since the time he was a little boy. As a young boy, he experienced separation from his family. He comes from a northern community way up north in the top of Alberta. Finds himself now in the city of Edmonton at an age of 50-something. And his world and life is different than ours. For a time, he was unhoused. He was homeless. Uh, This summer, we actually got him housed, which is a really good thing. Uh, But even that story has changed in the last week because of some other circumstances in his life that are, again, different than what we might experience as a community of believers, but yet which we're asked to look at. So because of this abandonment that he was feeling, because mom and dad were alcoholics. And so as this young fellow of less than 10 years old, old, he went to schools. And we know the history of Canada and residential schools and day schools. 
For many, it wasn't a good journey. And for this particular individual, same thing. Experienced some verbal abuse, some physical abuse at the hands of nuns. And so that just hardened his heart and he just drew away from people, trying to find a place where he thought he belonged. His grandmother comes along and takes him in and for a while his life steadies. But it was steady only to a degree because he was still attending residential school. And so at age 10, he starts drinking. To escape, to get rid of whatever pain and hurt he was feeling or abandonment, just wanted to belong in community. And he saw people around him drinking. His mom and dad had been drinking, so alcohol was his answer, he thought. And he drank starting at age 10. He moved into a larger city as he got older, and he ran away from residential school at the age of 14. Continued to find out that as an indigenous young man, people didn't value him. Looked at the color of the skin, length of his hair, and said, eh, you're just one of those bums. Stay away from me. Don't be a part of me. He comes through the doors of my ministry the other, about a month ago, and he says, Harold, I contemplated committing suicide last night. I go, oh, that's never a good thought to have. And so he started to talk about it. He says, I was walking around last night, and, I says, and he was still homeless at that time, walking around in the emptiness of this big city. He says, what kept me from doing it was I had no instrument to do it. I had no way to harm myself. And so in my mind, I'm going, Phew. thank you, Jesus. But he shared, again, that loneliness that people don't see me, Harold. I stand in front of them, and it's like I'm not there. It's so true. And so the scars for him are hard to leave. We have a lot of people, sometimes even from in the church community, that will just say, Harold, why doesn't your community just pull up their socks and get on with it? Join the rest of us. When the scars are a lifetime and so deep, A, why would I want to join this group? And B, I don't know how. Nobody has loved for me or cared for me enough to let me in. And so sometimes we have to, when we're thinking about community, think, how do we interact with that in a good way? Sometimes we get caught up in the act of, do you remember the story of uh, the Good Samaritan? Right? We have this gentleman laying in the ditch, needs care, attention, and who happens along? We have two characters, a Levite and a priest. And what do they do? They see the gentleman there, but they kindly just, okay, see you there. Yep, okay, gotcha. Go, I'm on my way to Jerusalem. Psalm didn't really acknowledge him or even try. And who's the hero in this story? Again, you can shout out if you want. A Samaritan, sworn enemy to the Jews, not from the same culture. And what does he do? goes out of his way 
to get down in the ditch and bandage up his wounds and take care of them. And then even goes beyond that, throws them on his donkey and takes them into town and says, here, to the innkeeper, take care of them. And that was his enemy. That's the journey we need to be on. It's getting down sometimes in those ditches. Sometimes it's climbing up higher into the mountains. If we want to be a healthy community, a community that cares and loves, we're going to need to do some of those things. And that's where the I part comes in. Because I get it. Not everybody sitting here wants to go meet people, street people downtown Edmonton, because it can be a scary thing. I have one gentleman that comes into our ministry, and he identifies himself as the son of Satan. That's what I call him, the son of Satan. They are not fun conversations. They are scary conversations. Because I don't know if he's still on the crystal meth that he's been doing, or if he's coming down, or what he's going to do. And he has become violent at times. Luckily, none of us have ever been hurt. Um, but it's a scary place to be. So what Paul writes in Colossians is all about developing Christian character now, right? In anticipation of what's to come, right? So the cross promises what? Salvation. Jesus coming back. But if we just stay focused on the future and just, but not live in the now, we would do a big disservice. Applying this to the Christian faith and life means living in anticipation. So we've got to be thinking about these things, anticipating. When is Jesus going to arrive? Is it tomorrow? Is it the following day? But I better make sure that my life is working in a good way. And as we heard, when Christ died, we died. It's a hard concept to think about. But if we're honest with ourselves, that's what it's going to take. It's to go through that same process, if not in real, not dying physically, but certainly in the spiritual and mental. We need to die and become more like Christ. And sometimes it's as easy as this. My grandson traveling down a street here in Edmonton and my youngest grandson who is, uh, as he lets me know now, four and a half sees a gentleman pushing a buggy shopping cart piled full of stuff and goes, Mom, what's how come that gentleman's doing that? Says, well, that's all his belongings, that's where he lives he has his house, his stuff is in there and he goes, well, why? doesn't he have a house? Why doesn't he have a place to put his stuff? And so my daughter explains that he's poor, he's on the street, he's homeless, and he pipes up, well, we should give him some money. But she said, unfortunately, at that time, the light turned from red to green, so we had to continue with the flow of track if I can move on. But my daughter took him and pulled into the nearest Tim Hortons after that and bought some gift cards. And said, here, come on, we're going to go to Grandpa's ministry and we're going to give these gift cards to help people because that's who Grandpa works with. So he was all full of fire for that idea, and then he comes bounded into my ministry, 
And he hands a card to one gentleman sitting in my drop-in. He says, here, here you go. And pleased as punch with himself and happy about that. And he bounds out again and he's gone. But if somebody at four years old could get the idea that we need to help one another, I think we can do that. But it takes, again, us changing the way we look at our world around us, understanding who we are. And so we can draw on some of God's future. Right? The cross has placed us in a place where, and we sang about it again today, right? His love is faithful. The promise of being gathered together again at the end of time with him should launch us forward into the future but also keep us here in the middle. And in this passage, the ones that I read, we're also focusing now on this old self, getting rid of that. The cross, if you will, is like that moment of, oh, let's see, what, uh, hard to find a good word for it, exfoliation. So rubbing yourself clean, getting rid of the dead skin cells, Cleaning yourself. The cross is like that for us. A moment where we are exfoliated, exposed, created as new beings now under the banner of the cross. So how does that look? How does that feel? As we move forward under that exfoliation. And as we read in scripture, it doesn't come easy. It's a hard thing. How do we create this healthy Christian life? Because we know we are sinners, right? Agreed? Yes. So we're fighting that constantly. We have to push against that. So you have to think about it. Make conscious choices to allow the Holy Spirit to form your character in ways that, to begin with, seem awkward. When I went into this ministry, I had no idea what I was getting into. Playing that drum was not my top 10 thing to do. Singing in public still is not my top thing, 10 thing to do. But if I don't play that drum in church services, people won't understand. Won't get to know something about myself or about indigenous culture. And more importantly, about the creator God that I serve with that drum. So it's awkward. How do we do that? How do we change? And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Right? Chris greeted us, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit this morning. We kind of forget about the Holy Spirit in our tradition sometimes. He seems to come out on Pentecost where we let him out of the box and he runs wild for that Sunday and then we put him back in. But he is an integral part of how we continue to live in Jesus is asking God's Spirit to lead and guide us. And so Christian character is transformed by these three things. You have to aim at the right goal in answer to the question. And here's the question. What am I here for? Question two, you have to figure out the steps you need to take to get to that goal. So if you figured out why you're here, 
Now what steps do I need to take to get there and to stay there? And then you have to practice those steps repeatedly so that they become a habit, so that they are normal and come as second nature to you. And that's where we struggle. It's trying to get it to be that habit-forming thing of being second nature. And it's easier said than done. The reading from Colossians addresses this precisely this. For the Christian, the goal is the glory of God expressed in the resurrection of the body like that of the risen Christ. What does that mean? A resurrection to share in the new creation in which God's people are a royal priesthood, a genuine human beings in the service of a flourishing world. So this, living in the wake of this, means something for us in the here and now. We're here to flourish. We do that through community. And when community is at its best, we certainly flourish. And the community flourishes. And that is a good step for us to move forward. We're also a royal priesthood. Not many of us think about that. What is it to be a royal priesthood? So set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So at this point, Paul's not thinking about earthly things. Sorry, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And what Paul's saying here is uh, not that sort of dualist kind of thing where we have this misunderstanding of have... Uh, when he says things above as opposed to earthly things, right? It's not an either-or kind of thing. Paul's not trying to set that up for us. Because we assure, we assume that earthly things are bad things. And they aren't always bad things. And the upper somehow is always just this spiritual kind of good thing. So how do we bridge that? How do we get to go between those two and feel comfortable, not so awkward with it about it? The contrast is to set your mind on styles of behavior that fit in with the authority and sovereignty of Christ. So first and foremost, we always have to go back to the cross and remember what he did for us. Understand, like the drumming song, we learned that there's a a river that flows from it that can be refreshing, can be life-giving. And that is already here and now and anticipates the life and the age to come. So it's not just for the here and now, it's for the future, but it's also from the past. But it helps us be where we're at to do. There's a wonderful line we use when we ordain deacons to serve in the church. We say, deacons show that Christians live by the spirit of the kingdom, fervently desiring to give, the life, to give life the shape of things to come. So the deacons are charged with. It's to teach us how to live out of the wake of the resurrection. And I like that a lot. It applies to all of us as well. Fervently give this life the shape of things to come. It's what living in the wake of the resurrection of Jesus is all about. 
But don't underestimate the kind of moral effort involved. In verse 5, we have put to death. In verse 8, we have rid yourselves. In verse 12, clothe yourselves. So it would appear Paul's directing us to three movements. Put to death, put away, put on. And none of these movements come naturally. Even for Christians, this is not going to be so. Certainly to begin with, as a person's character becomes more fully formed, such things may indeed begin to come naturally. But the steps it takes to get there involve bold decisions and hard actions. Choice that run counter at times to the expectations, aspirations, desires, and, and instincts which every person has. That's why we're called to be patient with one another. Forbearing with one another. And having a forgiving disposition towards one another. Paul doesn't mince words here. He doesn't say, you might want to go try giving up a bit of this or a bit of that. He doesn't say, if it feels all right to you, think of doing without some of these things. He says, put them to death. If you don't kill them, they will kill you because these styles of behavior lead directly into corruption, decay, and death. They are habits of life which already share in the death they court and so lead away from the new creation where heaven and earth meet and resurrection results. Other things are to be put away, placed out of reach, pushed away with a sense of revulsion. If these things, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, lying, have become habits, as Paul indicates they have for people to whom he was writing, then the first new habit to acquire is that of breaking the old ones. Think about self-taught basketball player, right? They're out on the driveway shooting this and they're doing that and then they go try out for a team, a professional team. And all of a sudden that individual is going to find out that, man, I know nothing about basketball. I thought I did. I had this great hook shot, but people can defend that. People can, so they have to learn how to play again within a team, within community. So the individual has to sharpen themselves and be aware that there's other people around them, not to always conform, but to learn from and to understand what it takes so that we can have success in those moments together. We need to learn that there are some habits of mind, body, imagination, speech, and so on, which have to be unlearned in order to make way for the new habits, which have to be learned. So if you thought just because Jesus went to the cross and he died and rose again, it was all done, we're on easy street? Paul clearly is showing us that that's not the case. There's work to be done. Paul then turns to the positive side. He says, put on, clothe yourselves. Again, this doesn't happen automatically. I know when I get up in the morning, I go to the closet I don't go, hey, shirt, jump on me. And it doesn't jump on me. And then there's the matter of, okay, i got to figure out fashion style, so does this color match with this? And 
That's where a wife comes in handy sometimes. But with practice and with making good habits and good choices, pretty soon Harold can learn to put his wardrobe together to be presentable and walk out the door um, in a good way that his wife will be happy. So putting on the clothes can feel awkward as well. So putting on these new changes that we plan to make for ourselves is going to feel awkward at first. Do I step out and do this? For me, playing the drum, the first time I ever played it in public, and it was a hand drum, I was in Toronto, out east, so I was happy because nobody from here would see or hear that. And at the end, people came and said, Harold, that was amazing. And I'm going, what? Did you hear me sing? I think there were cats and dogs howling in the back alleys here because... And so part of that practice, and I still sound, I'm sure there's still dogs and cats out here howling when I sing, but it's become a habit now that I understand if I put that on, God will bless that and he will help me through those moments. So I have to give up that old self and put on the new self and say, okay, this is what I need to do. And as with putting off, so putting on is a matter of consciously deciding so there's choices to be made for us. We want to be in community, we have to make choices. And again and again to do certain things in certain ways. So the new clothes, the new moral habits are the list we have in verses 12 to 17. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forbearance, forgiveness, and overall, love. That is so hard to do. This gentleman, my story opening, my last words to him, it says, I still love you. And I hope when you leave my office that that's the word still ringing in his ear so that he doesn't go and act on what, how he was feeling. So if we want to be community, we need to be a community of love. And that's not a community of love. I'll love you if you conform to my way. That's like being the Good Samaritan and getting down in the ditch and going, I don't know you from Adam, but I love you and I'm going to take care of you because you are a created image bearer of God. And that's where we need to be. As community, willing to sacrifice some of our own comfort sometimes to get down here. But also at other times, it's we get to be up here because there's good things to celebrate together as community, and there's no better way to do that than in community. You know, you talked about the funeral of Betty Heisinger. Sad. I've known Betty. Talked to her. We used to worship together in Trinity Christian Reformed Church a long time ago together. But I'm also sure there was a joyful moment where the family felt God present and said, this was what my mom was all about. And for this, I thank Creator. I thank Jesus. And that's living in the wake of the resurrection. That's putting on the, our new clothes. And so that family's going to move forward in new clothes. And it will have changed them in a positive way.
So the clothes, you still have to decide what to put on. But practice makes perfect. And gradually, bit by bit, putting on, the clo- uh, putting on of these virtues, and virtues that may seem for a time artificial and unnatural. Maybe some of you have trouble with patience. I have patience out the wazoo for my clients at my ministry. But when I came home, sometimes I didn't have that same patience for my own family. So I have to keep working that patience, practicing that patience so that it becomes even natural within my family setting so I can be patient with my own family the same way I am with complete strangers someday. And this is precisely the domain of the Holy Spirit, working in us so that we come to know Christ and become like him. The Spirit who is adept at peeling away the old skin so that the new may flourish. And the Holy Spirit is preparing us, preparing all of creation, getting people ready and qualified to live in the new temple called the new heaven and earth. And that's the reason we want to build this community so we can present to the world this new heaven and earth. But part of that process of becoming that new heaven and earth is looking inward, looking at ourselves, going, I need to make some changes here. I need to remove some of the old. But I also need to take on some of the new. And when we do that together, and then we band together as this body of Christ We can image a new heaven and a new earth, and that's what this world needs. The gentleman in my office needed to hear, I love you. So that his whole lifelong journey, which was nothing but being pushed away, even by family, being pushed away, rejected, abandoned. But our goal is to create that new heaven and earth where we say, welcome. Just think of the story of the woman at the well. Again, Jesus sitting there. And we know, men, women, we're not supposed to be together. And again, somebody from not, he's in Samaria. It's not in his community. He shouldn't be sitting, shouldn't be talking to this woman. And we know how the story goes. She changes her life. And it's not because Jesus pointed at her and said, you've got to change because and become just like me because he embraced her as a human being, as an image bearer of God, and said, you know the changes you need to make. And she did. And her whole community has changed. And the broader community gets blessed because of that as well. So today, let's plan to put on the new clothes. Let's plan to present as community, a new heaven and a new earth. Pray with me. And as I'm praying, maybe the worship team can come up. Creator, thank you for sending your son so that he could do the journey to the cross, could bear that for us so that we have hope eternal. Help us also to get rid of our old selves 
because we know what that gift was to us today. And as we gather as community of believers, help us to put on that new clothing to show the community what it is to be in a new heaven and a new earth with you, Jesus, as its king. Amen. Thank you.